0: The holidays are the most wonderful time of the year for families, but let's face it, they can also be stressful. Give yourself peace of mind this season with Life360. Life360 membership offers families comprehensive, simple-to-use safety and coordination features for life at home, online, and on the road. Advanced location sharing allows you to stay coordinated throughout the day without sending a single text. And digital safety features like ID theft protection safeguard your family's data while you're doing your online holiday shopping. Driving safety features include 24-7 roadside assistance and crash detection with emergency response for those busy holiday roads. But it doesn't stop there. With Life360, a live specialist is always just a tap away get medical assistance, travel support, and disaster response around the clock for each family member. Rather than spending thousands on 10 different subscriptions, Life360 simplifies safety starting at just $4.99 per month. You deserve to worry less this holiday season. Head to life360.com parenting. That's life360.com parenting. Welcome to Parent Bites, this is Rebecca Beebe, I am here with Amy Oztan of Amy Ever After. Hello. Hello. And Andrea Smith, technology guru extraordinaire. Hello. How was everybody's Thanksgiving? Good.
1: Small. <laughs> you know, it was it was really weird because there were only three of us instead of like 18 of us and I scaled down almost everything except I still made a turkey, i made a small turkey, but I made it a full turkey and i somehow made the entire amount of mashed potatoes that i would have made if we had had a house full of I'm people shocked. <laughs> of
2: course you I'm did
1: so and then like for the next two days all i ate was stuffing and mashed potatoes now why do i not stuffing. live near you
2: like this is the problem why do we not live near each other um
1: because neither one of us would survive on weight watchers <laughs> right exactly
0: <laughs> Oh my God, that's so funny. Well, today on the show, we're going to talk about, I guess in the vein of how everyone's Thanksgiving was, because we're coming up on the next round of holidays. um, We're going to talk about resilience. We're going to have a return guest, our friend of the show, Dr. G. Um, I'm so excited to have her back on because we're going to talk about resilience in a way that I don't think people talk about it. Um, This is not grit. This is not, you know brush off your boo-boos and move on. Um, This is a real talk about how we can build resilience in our kids, but also in ourselves, that this is a lifelong process that you did not miss out on. (laughs) So um, there is still time to do it. And it might help reframe um, how you're thinking about the pandemic and its effect on you and your kids and your family. You mean Um, I
1: can't just like do the Gen X thing of yelling, suck it up and get over it
0: over and over again? Well, I don't think it's a Gen X thing. I think that was like a, I don't even think it was a boomer thing. I think it was like the generation Queen. before the, the, yeah, the silent the silent up. generation. Um so we're, yeah, we're gonna talk about their long-lasting damage to everybody and <laughs> all the subsequent <laughs> to generations to come. Um, but we will be right back with Dr. G. We are back with. Dr. Deborah Gilboa, known as Dr. G, a board-certified family physician and resilience expert, and friend of the show and friend of ours, and <laughs> we are so happy to have you back on.
3: I'm so excited to be here. Thank you.
0: Um, you know, it's been a, it's been a long pandemic. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's been a while since we talked to you. There's a um, country song there somewhere. There really is.
0: There's some sad, sad country song. I have to say it's December and I I don't think any of us, well, maybe we thought we might be here, but boy, we were hoping we wouldn't be. Um, and, you know, when we started talking about wanting to do this show, we thought like it is time. We have to get someone on to talk about sort of mental health and resilience because I think parents are running out of
3: just, reserves. you know, not
0: just reserves. Yeah. That's what it is. It's like you, especially moms um, who a lot of the remote schooling has fallen on. Um, yeah, the and low, our
3: kids low fuel light has been on since like August.
0: Right. It's like tick, 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 triple A yeah. is like waiting yeah, to tow you. Exactly. somewhere. Um, so thank you for coming on the show. And you know, let's talk about this. Let's talk about what you're seeing, um, in terms of what parents are asking for, you know, in terms of a lifeline, but also, you know, how you, how you've been
3: helping, um, the people you've been speaking to. It's really interesting because I think in the first time that I can think of in history, we're studying this while we're going through it maybe because we have time, but people are more (laughs) aware that there are mental health struggles from what we're experiencing. So we have research from May and from July and from October about what families are going through and how we perceive it and how kids are experiencing this and what adults are saying. Seven out of 10 adults in the US have been saying since June that this is the hardest year of their adult lives. And because we know that normalization, that feeling like you're not the only person who's really struggling, is actually helpful from a brain chemistry, mental health standpoint. I really want to bring that out first. That yes, this is quantitatively and qualitatively hard, period. The research shows that kids actually perceive it a little differently. This isn't having as much, uh, from a population standpoint, of a negative impact on kids mental health or just recently we got a study from the U.S. Department of Education looking at academic slide and it's not nearly as bad as was predicted. So in general, when people say online the kids are all right, in general the kids are all right. The problem is I don't have in general kids in my house. I have my kids in my house and Mm. you have your kids in your house. So. For populations, public health is always about populations, but for individuals, some adults, many adults, and some kids are really struggling.
0: You know, it's what's interesting to me is that you'd think like everyone's online now, but it hasn't bridged what it's like to be in person. And those small interactions that I think we took for granted that didn't, you didn't even realize they were interactions, whether it's, you know, just your kids on a playground,
3: you know, playing. Smiling with lots at somebody the kids. in the coffee line,
0: right. Exactly. Totally. Ex- being in a coffee line, right? That's <laughs> like not six <laughs> feet yes. apart. Right. Um, yeah, all those small things that add up. And and I do wonder, you know, what the what the resilience factor becomes when you're sort of craving just human connection um, and this is for people who maybe don't live with you know a bunch of people or have a ready-made community with a bunch of driveways around them um, who you know or sing and single parents who feel very alone um,
3: you and know what help- you're talking about chemically is oxytocin and dopamine oxytocin is that chemical that we may remember from when our babies were little because it's the chemical you get when you're nursing or holding your baby skin to skin. Uh, But it's also the chemical that you get when you run into a friend or you get a letter in the mail (laughs) from someone handwritten. It's not for anything except to tell you that they love you. Uh, We get oxytocin when we feel connected to another human and we get it in the biggest dump when we get to be in physical proximity, hug, touch, hold hands with whatever, someone that we just feel really good about. But we get little bits of it in lots of ways. And so those little bits that we didn't notice because it was just smiling at someone in a coffee line or watching kids play together on a playground while you like nodded in solidarity of exhaustion with the other parent (laughs) or whatever, we we're missing all of those. So um, many of us have become oxytocin deficient. And our kids in general are better at finding their oxytocin in this current environment than we are as adults. Why? Why is that? Uh, Part of it is programming. We think that online relationships and interactions aren't as real. Uh, Our kids don't make a distinction between online friends and real friends, much to our dismay, right? They're just (laughs) friends. Whereas, you know, Rebecca, if you and I had not had the opportunity to take a cool trip together and we'd only knew each other online, if I was telling someone about you, I'd say, my online friend. Um, my kids would just say, oh, your friend. <laughs> <And Right. laughs> so because we rate it differently, we actually rob ourselves of a little oxytocin that we could be getting if we didn't believe in that qualifier. And the opportunities that we have. To We have the same opportunities our kids do. We can play among us with our friends online or we could Netflix party and watch a TV show with a friend who recommended it. And yet we tend to think of certain things as activities you only do when you're physically with someone. And our kids, again, don't really make that distinction as much. So in that way, we could learn from them a little bit about one of the skills that builds resilience, which is building connections.
0: So let's talk about that idea of building resilience, because I know um, Amy brought this up before we, before we started recording that this, you know, everyone wants to say kids are resilient. You know, it's like the first time your baby like falls off the couch or something and everyone says, babies (sighs) bounce. And you're like, "Ah, my baby's (laughs) not going to bounce. But you know, this, this myth that kids are resilient is always sort of used to, kind of wipe away, you know, you're getting a divorce, don't worry, kids are resilient. You know, their dog died, don't worry, kids are resilient. And let's talk about that a little bit about this inborn idea of resilience.
3: Yeah, resilience is what I call a container term. We all know the word, but we have different ideas inside the container of what it means. Resilience, when I ask audiences, they most often define it for me uh, as the ability to bounce back. But I push back on that. That's true if you are describing a rubber band or a Tupperware container. But if you're describing, then it's the ability after stress to bounce back into its original shape. But if you're describing people, we are by definition changed by every experience we have. The good, the bad, the neutral. We're changed by every experience we have. So we don't bounce back. Um, Resilience in humans is the ability to go through a change and come out of it, the kind of person you want to be or closer to the kind of person you want to be. And that is it, to do that takes certain actions and certain skills. The idea that resilience is a character trait, and you're just born with it, or you're not that That's something that we believe as a society. We believe that it's mostly how you're born and maybe a little bit what you go through as a kid. And in there, we have this idea that if you've gone through hard things, you must by definition be more resilient, but that's also not true. Going through hard things can build resilience, but doesn't by default build resilience.
2: So what does build resilience? Like how do you go through these things and have it shape who you are and you know turn you into whatever new shape that rubber band becomes right the
3: so i the the simplest answer is intentionality meaning going through something anything and reflecting on it you remember how when kids are little if you point out the thing they're doing that you don't want they'll do more of it and if you point out the thing they're doing that you do want they'll do more of it. Kindergarten teachers do this all the time. But an example is when two kids drop food, uh, even if they knocked it off the table by accident, if you point out that they dropped the food, everyone else in the kindergarten classroom will knock food off the table. If you point out how they got down to help clean it up, all the kids in the classroom will go to grab paper towels to help clean it up. And again, sweeping generalizations, obviously not all, but whenever you point out something that someone is doing, they are likely to give you more of it. And so that intentionality of noting the recovery, noting the actions, noting the advantages or the learning point, or noting the suffering and noting the discomfort, we should recognize all of it. But when we tell the story afterwards, when we focus on what we can gain from it, the intentionality of saying, okay, that part was loss and I really didn't like that. Or that part was loss and I'm so sorry you had that experience and I have empathy for that. And that part was really uncomfortable and that's icky. And then you made a choice. I think the best example, because most of us have had this now in our families, is a pandemic birthday. So, I I mean, I can't think of a family I know that hasn't at least had one birthday during the pandemic, right? Yeah. So the first thing that happens when we experience that is we realize like, oh, That birthday, that kid's birthday, that my birthday, whatever, is going to fall during the pandemic. The first thing we feel is the loss. I wanted to do this this year or he wanted to do this this year. I'm not going to get to be like this. It's not going to get to be like that. The next thing that happens is that we don't trust it. And this is a resilient cycle. We don't trust it. Well, maybe we could get away with it anyway, or maybe it's really okay, or maybe those restrictions aren't necessary. And as soon as we realize we're really going to have a pandemic birthday and it's still definitely going to be the pandemic, then we start to feel uncomfortable. Well, I'm going to be sad, it's not going to feel like my birthday because I'm not going to get to do this or this or this person's going to feel left out because they don't live, whatever. But as soon as we remember that we have choices within the structure of of it's a pandemic and there's things we can't do, but we do have choices. Do I want to have a car parade or do I want to have a Zoom birthday or do I want to postpone my birthday until 2021? I have choices then I'm starting to act in a resilient way. And it doesn't mean that I'm not feeling loss or distrust or discomfort, but it's, but I'm starting to behave. I'm starting to use my skills and my actions to be resilient. And I can do that no matter how I'm feeling. And when I choose one of those, I'm engaging with having my birthday either next year or in a different way. And I might still be feeling loss and discomfort and that's okay. I'm still acting in a resilient way because resilience Isn't about having rules about your feelings. It is simply about your actions.
0: That's so interesting to me because I think, you know, a couple years ago there was the idea of grit, right? Grit like took the media by storm. And and a lot of people did a whole episode about it. Yeah. And the whole idea of grit was really about like failure and overcoming failure. It wasn't really about choices. It was about like Perseverance. your kid, yeah, it was about perseverance. Not letting your kid just give up, right? And then every parent who had ever let their kid like quit soccer, the violin yeah. lesson, yes, which <laughs> yeah, totally. was me. I mean, right. i was literally Same. joking with my daughter the other day. How many uniform? She just always wanted the uniform or whatever it was. The <laughs> oh my outfit. God, mine too. If it had an outfit, she wanted to be involved, and it lasted a month till she got the outfit. And um, you know, and now it's a funny story. But then I had this horrible, you know, feeling like, mm-hmm. oh my god, I've let my kids quit. And I like your framing much better (laughs) so because even that act of deciding that maybe you truly didn't like something, like you shouldn't have to stick with it just because. And I know there's going to be a fine line between letting your kid quit saying something just because it's difficult and maybe they don't like that feeling. Um, But there does seem something really um, refreshing about reframing it as you still have agency here. Like you can make choices that determine how you respond rather than feeling like you're
3: constantly reactive. My mom of blessed memory used to say to me when I was telling her how awful something was, she would say, well, if you're still breathing, you have choices. You may not like any of them, but you have them, so pick one. And that idea, because what you're talking about in terms of not quitting soccer, whatever it is, one another resilient skill is learning how to manage discomfort and that's absolutely necessary but perseverance forsaking boundaries and forsaking priorities does not actually make us more resilient as a matter of fact it can make us it can, it can make us more fragile it can really put us at risk setting boundaries uh, both modeling that for our kids and also doing it as a person that builds our resilience as well because understanding what What you do have control over and what you don't and what is acceptable to you, you know, what is meaning what is uncomfortable, but not unsafe and what is truly unsafe for you. That is a really important skill in order to be resilient.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. I never really thought about it that way. Oh, I'm learning so much today. Cool. <laughs> so I'm so into this. So let's, let's like get down to sort of brass tacks here about you. Let's just say you're a parent, you are on month 10, you know, you've had it, Your are the schools just declared like we are remote for the rest of the year. You're working at home, you know, you're in a small space all together. I feel like and... you're in my kitchen this morning. It's <laughs> just i my kids. Um, yeah. But you know, like, how can you sort of build this resilience in yourself and your kids, you know, because let's face it, now you're also going to have to do both um, without just feeling, I don't know, like you just need to give up or you just like kind of put the blinders on and you're like, we're going to push through, push through, push through, um, which, you know, becomes very hard to do because you're repeating the same things over and over, but you don't know how to get out of that that hamster wheel.
3: I hate telling people, here's what you have to do, because what I hear in listening when I go to a talk or I listen to a podcast is I I don't have time to do anything else, right? Don't add anything to my to-do list. But what I want to encourage adults to think about is I'm not asking you to do anything differently than how you're doing it now. I'm asking you to frame it differently. I'm asking you to think about it for yourself and speak it to your kids a little differently. That's all. You already, for example, set boundaries at home. You already, when your kid says, hey, can we, can you get me the ingredients for this online make the Christmas cookies thing I want to do, you, I hope, think about if you can actually do that or not. Like, if it's in a week, probably yes. If it's in five minutes, the answer is probably no. That's setting boundaries. And when they push back and they're like, oh, but I want to do this thing and you told me to be more, be like, yes, the boundary is I need three business days. If, you, if it requires me to get out of the, our home to go pick something up for you, I need three business days. And all I'm doing, and like, I understand that that's uncomfortable for you or frustrating for you because empathy for yourself and for other people is a crucial attribute of people who are resilient. It is not about being stoic. It is not about that, like, just put your head down and pretend that this doesn't suck. Empathy for yourself and for other people, even when you're disappointing yourself or other people is crucial
0: that's so funny because this is going to sound so bizarre but having just finished the crown um (laughs) where (laughs) people talk a lot about the resiliency um of queen elizabeth and um i was actually thinking my husband and i were talking about like what terrible advice she gives everybody (laughs) like she's the worst advice giver and she so here she is this paragon of resiliency and yet her advice to everyone literally is, you know, stick your head in the sand. Things just get better, um, you know.
3: Lay back and think of England. Yes, keep,
0: a, yeah, keep agree. calm and carry on. Right. And so it's really funny to think about this, um, I don't know, very stiff upper lip sort of version. Of but
3: historically, residency. empathy was not valued at that time historically well, empathy. Still um, it appears um <laughs> so. well historically empathy wasn't valued in the 80s and 90s right kids would get That's bullied sure. and we'd say kids are kids suck it up empathy is was seen and and i have to say i think that sometimes as parents we still when our kid is pitching a huge fit because we said i know all your friends are going to hang out on the street corner but you can't because pandemic mm-hmm. um and they throw a big fit we think if i say I see that you're frustrated. I see that you're embarrassed. I I hear that you're hurt and that you're, you just feel just devastated by this. We think if we say that they're going to say, cool, change your mind. And that we've put ourselves somehow in a position of saying that we're wrong, but that's not the case. We can have empathy for our kids without moving our boundaries.
0: Wow. That's a tough one. I, I, I like, that is very impressive to me because I think that is the Biggest thing I have heard from friends is managing their kids saying everyone else is having a sleepover, is hanging out, is whatever. And, of course, a lot of times a parent's reaction to that is like, well, we're not everybody else. And, like, too bad. And I know I'm the worst mom ever. Like, it sort of escalates in that (laughs) that direction very quickly. Um, I think particularly if a parent is feeling um, very little gratitude for all they have done. So – you know, how do you like kind of de-escalate that if that has become the pattern at this point, if that has become an entrenched pandemic, you know, thing? Especially
1: when um the, the child in question sees all of her friends on Instagram doing all right. of the stuff she wants to do with seemingly no consequences. Like none of their families have gotten hit with COVID. So there comes a point when she's like, Why are we bothering?
3: Absolutely. The thing is our kids pressure. Okay have you guys ever been on a roller coaster and I mean like a serious roller coaster where there's a harness and every okay so you're on let's imagine that you've waited in the line you're you you sit down in the roller coaster you've stowed all your stuff you're holding your cell phone hopefully below your you know your thigh hoping it doesn't crash and you put on the harness and then a 16 year old kid walks down the line checking that you're locked in right right? (laughs) and and then they get and like you could die if this doesn't work out but the 16 year old kid shakes it they go down to the They give a thumbs up to a different 16-year-old kid who hits a button and sends you flying. After that 16-year-old checks your harness, what do you do? You You check check it. it. You (laughs) really check it, right? Now, are you you rocking it? Then after they've checked it, hoping that it will open so you can have a more exciting ride? Because now you won't get caught, right? They already checked it. You're through the security check. No, you're checking it to make sure it will really hold you. That's what our teenagers do. We put a boundary in place. We lock it in. And then they push it and they rock it and they shake it. And 99% of the time, they are not doing it so they can fly free and get coronavirus or kill their grandparent by accident. They're doing it to see if we will really hold them.
2: Wow. I have never heard of it that way. And that makes such perfect sense. I just want to redo my whole child's upbringing. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanna go back and like keep at those boundaries because
3: I always gave in. (laughs) The hard part about parenting is knowing when is it the 1% where they're making a really reasonable argument and you were too strict or you were not compassionate or flexible enough. Because 1% of the time, what they're saying is, you've put a boundary in place here and it's not the right boundary and they're correct. So I want you to think about the pandemic in particular are you correct from your worldview and what you know, are you doing this for the wrong reasons or have you put this rule like no sleepovers for the right reasons so that you can sleep at night, not worried that your child is getting infected or said that you can, you know, get online and say, Hey, you guys, we've all got to do the right thing here. I am. I hope you will, whatever your reasons are, are they the right reasons for your families? Do your reasons match your priorities that you're raising your kids with? And then if they do, let them rock and shake as much as they want, and you're just going to let them ride the ride with the harness in place.
0: Wow. We
3: need you to be all our moms. <laughs> I don't like giving adults um, those kind of boundaries because I think we're more fun without them. Of so,
0: <laughs> Yeah, we want to ride without the harness, damn it. Exactly. Um, <laughs> you know, well, like, of course, right? That's who's actually, even though we feel like it's all these teenagers who want to be rebellious and not do it, it's actually adults who are driving the entire, like not wearing masks and, you know, threatening government leaders and whatever. Right. Um, but it's interesting. I was even thinking about that when you were talking about, choice. And, you know, that maybe part of the problem, aside from the sort of swirling political insanity around all this, was that people didn't see their choices, right? It became sort of an all or nothing thing instead of giving people like, here's what happens. If you wear a mask, we can reopen restaurants. And instead it was like, we're just going to reopen everything and see how it goes. And if you don't wear a mask, it's going to be a disaster, but we want you to wear a mask.
3: Um, Listen, hundred years a ago, risk. we had the Spanish flu pandemic. And when you look back at it historically, there were huge anti-mask protests. Yeah. So this idea in our country of valuing liberty over life has been true for our entire history. But when your liberty impacts your life, that's your call. When your liberty impacts my life or someone else's life, then that's our society's call but it doesn't surprise me historically that everybody's trying to figure out where they fall in this. When we're raising our kids and we're trying to help them be resilient, we are giving them room Like just enough, uh, I don't want to use this in any kind of triggering, right, but that that idiom about just enough rope, right, we want to give them autonomy. When your two-year-old was getting dressed to go outside and it was snowing, you would say this long sleeve shirt or this long sleeve shirt. (laughs) But when your 14-year-old is getting dressed to go outside and it's snowing, you just say get dressed. And if they wear shorts and their knees freeze and everybody thinks you're a terrible parent, they're still learning and they won't die.
0: So Nobody thinks th- that. They just know you have a teenage boy, by the
3: exactly. way. Exactly, <laughs> totally, exactly. So the, one of the most reshared articles I've ever been quoted in was about letting your kids wear shorts in the winter in, in the <laughs> northern part of our country. Like they will be okay and and they'll learn. So figuring out where do we loosen and where don't we, it makes total sense to me that in the pandemic, most adults who are concerned about the pandemic said, hey, we've never done this before. So now we're in charge like you are four years old again. And it makes total sense that our kids went, wait, whoa, what? But that is necessary, and we're going to figure this out. And a year from now, we're still going to have some restrictions. We're going to look at socializing a little differently, and we're going to give our kids more space to make their own decisions, but not as much as they want. That's parenting.
0: Right. That is parenting, isn't it? <laughs> that is sort of, and it never stops. That's what's so sort of crazy about it. So let's talk a little bit about your new project.
3: Oh, thank you. Yeah. So I'm really worried about the mental distress that adults are feeling because we know that 18% of kids and adults live with chronic mental illness, but that means that 82% of us don't. The thing is that in the last, in June, there was research that showed that over 90% of adults said they were experiencing symptoms of mental illness. So we're calling that experience mental distress. And being in a period of mental distress in 2020 is a nearly universal experience. I've been lucky enough to get together with two other great co-hosts and a couple of really good producers, and we've created a limited series YouTube show uh, with just 30-minute episodes on different aspects of mental distress. The first episode was about feeling isolation. The second one is about fear. The next one will be about overwhelm. And the last one is about failure. And we're talking to experts to help you look at those topics differently than you ever have before. And we're giving strategies and tips and hacks. So I hope that people will be willing to check it out. It's called We Got You.
0: I like that because um, I'm going to tell everyone a secret, which is last week I missed our podcast recording. (laughs) (laughs) For the first time in six years, I literally did not – it didn't even occur to me. Um, I was doing a bunch of work and I turned my internet on and off. I have my internet off when I'm doing that. And it like, I didn't know what day it was. I didn't know what time it was. And it wasn't until hours later that I saw a million messages from Amy and Andrea saying, where are you? Are you okay? <laughs> and I thought, oh, wow, I have reached a place where um, even my alarms failed. So <laughs> I am going to check but out see, your But see, I was just...
2: <laughs> I was just in awe of the fact that you could so immerse yourself in what you were doing and shut out the world because I try to sit here and write. And if my text goes or if my phone rings, forget it. I'm completely distracted. So I was in awe of how you were able to just ignore us and get lost in what you were doing.
0: Yes. That is because I turn everything off. Um, But I turned everything off not realizing that I needed to have my alarm on. I needed to have one thing on. <laughs> I'm going to introduce um, both of day. you to the
1: Freedom app, which will
0: let you choose what gets through. So the important Ooh. stuff gets through and everything else turns off. Um, yeah, I think turning off might be um, key to some parents right now <laughs> for, for whatever, Oof. you know, however that means. Um, and, you know, and I think just maybe we'll end on do you have any advice for, you know, what may be a very different holiday, um, no matter what people celebrate, you know, this is going to look different. And so how do you, you know, what kind of talk do you need to have as a family? What, how do you kind of prepare? And again, you know, your kids are probably all right. Cause you know, me, you know, if you're in a position to buy them lots of gifts, they're still going to have that Christmas morning. And maybe they didn't even like going over to grandma's or whatever, <laughs> who knows? Um, but You know, how do we start to think ahead to, you know, Zoom Hanukkah, Zoom Christmas,
3: Zoom Kwanzaa? I think that you can use this holiday season in the way that I hope that we can be intentional and use this whole pandemic experience to create a little bit more resilience in our kids. Not just assume that because they've been through something hard, they will be more resilient, but actually help them with it. And it's this. First of all, you are totally right. Don't assume that they're bummed about it. Ask, ask, what are you picturing for this next holiday, you know, for this holiday experience, winter break, let's just call it that. What are you picturing for winter break and what's hard about it and what's good about it? As you're starting to brainstorm, think about that resilience cycle. That's you having empathy for their loss or their discomfort, but then talk about choices given the restrictions that we're going to live with as a family these are the choices we have can you think of any choices i haven't thought of and then let's pick a few and engage with them that helps them practice this cycle that they've done and will do thousands of times in their lives the thing i really want the gift i really want to give to parents is to consider we know All of our kids will go through other periods in their lives personally of major upheaval and disruption because we all do. We will lose people we love, not get the job we wanted, miss out on an opportunity, have a relationship breakup, job loss, all kinds of things. Usually we have those first experiences of major upheaval and disruption as adults alone when most of the people around us look like they're doing great. Here, our kids are shaped in a great way by going through something that they know everyone else is going through. And they get to have their parents near them, like it or not, helping them with strategies to be able to handle this better so that when they do experience those things as adults, they're more ready.
0: Oh, that's a great way to look at it. We learn so much when you're on. I love it. Thank you. (laughs) It has well,
3: the that, added advantage of being true.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is, well, thank God. <laughs> that yeah. would be horrible. <laughs> like, that was Dr. G and who knows? that know. was accurate. No, yes. <laughs> no it is.
2: You know, I just want to pipe in for a second because, you know, the way you describe things, I mean, sometimes the analogies you use are so effective in helping people to understand, ah, I see, this is this is the way it is. And I think the whole idea of that rubber band, right, stretching out and then stretching back. We all think we're going to go back to normal. We all think we're going to go back to the way it was, when in reality, we're not. There's no going back. It's forward. It's sideways. It's lumpy. It's, it's complicated. And we just become who we become as we go through all of these processes, even not just the pandemic, but life. And when you describe it that way, it just, you know, you really can visualize the process. So thank you.
3: I'm really glad. Maybe one of the things that we could do this year, instead of thinking about New Year's resolutions, because honestly, we're all doing the best we can already. So there's really no point in January 1st, trying to do a whole bunch of things differently. How about New Year's reflections? What would you keep from this year? What do you want to be part of your new normal that you never thought about before 2020? Oh, I love that.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting because, um, in this past year, I've tried really hard not to say, well, on the bright side, you know, because so many horrible things have happened. It's hard to highlight the things, the, the good things that came out of it. But especially in dealing with our daughter, who, you know, has had a really hard time not being able to to have a normal junior year of high school, we have found ourselves saying yes to a lot of things that we wouldn't otherwise have said yes to because they're safe and they're okay right now. And so we've had some experiences and some things that, that wouldn't have happened without this pandemic.
3: Nice. So maybe if we all find a couple of pandemic keepers, then getting to a new normal won't feel like such a sacrifice.
2: Good. We'll have to have you back in January for our reflections. Awesome. You <laughs> us. I love that.
0: Just <laughs> once a month. Can we just have you <laughs> once a month to like check in with us? and
3: <laughs> nice. will just have standing appointment. Idea. Yeah, yes. see my, see my front desk on the way out. Yes, t- tell us your hourly rate and if you take insurance <laughs> and
0: all that. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on today. Really, this was fantastic. And we're glad that you're safe and your family's safe. And we will put links to everything we talked about today, certainly to AskDrG.com and to We Got You. Um, we'll have links to anything else you want to suggest for parents too on the show page. And um, thank you. Thanks for Thanks. coming on with us today. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. My Deb. We will be right back with our Bites of the Week. We are back with our Bites of the Week. Amy, what do you have?
1: Okay, so for my last set of gift bites, um, the first one was actually inspired by an article by someone that that at least two of us knows, uh, my friend Liz Gumbiner, who has the site Cool Mom Eats. And she wrote this really great roundup called My Favorite New York City Food Gifts from 10 New York Institutions for Those Who Can't Get Here Right Now. And while that's a great list, and I'm going to link I to saw it, that, and,
2: but I didn't get to read it. So yay, tell it's,
1: us. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's a really good list. But really, my recommendation is a great thing to send to somebody for the holidays is just food from a place that they can't visit right now. So, you know, if there's like a place that your family goes to every year or a vacation that you had planned that had to be canceled because of the pandemic, what a great way to kind of acknowledge that and still celebrate it is, you know, with with a piece of food from wherever it was, or if that place doesn't have food, maybe something else special that that place is known for, because I think that the thing that. I see my friends hurting from the most, like the things that they haven't been able to do in the past year, is travel. You know, yeah. there I have so many friends who just live to travel, and I, I think that that would be a nice gift for anybody. So that's that's the first one, and then my second recommendation is something that I never, ever, ever would have recommended without the pandemic, because it's very like geeky bakerish. But so many people who had never made homemade bread made homemade bread during this pandemic. So I I think it's now a valid recommendation. Um, This summer, I tried to make some bread for a friend, and I make bread all the time. And I uh, discovered that I couldn't use my mixer for this one because I was only making half a loaf. And, like, you know, the mixer, it's like too big to actually mix it. Um, So I tried doing it by hand. And I totally screwed it up. And I realized that I hadn't needed dough by hand in years. Like I had just gotten into the habit of using my stand mixer for everything. And I had like lost the ability to need dough. And there will always be a place in my life for my stand mixer with dough. Like there are enriched doughs that you just you just want to do them in a mixer and like really loose wet doughs that you want to slap around in a mixer. But since that day this summer, I have not used my mixer for bread. I have hand kneaded every single loaf that I've made.
2: You're my idol. It's (laughs) an upper body workout. (laughs) Listen, I'm
1: building muscles. I'm burning calories. And... I also just find the process really relaxing, and it doesn't take. It's like ten minutes. You can knead any loaf of bread in like ten to twelve minutes.
2: You just need my cat, who just needs all the time on my legs when I'm oh. sitting down. Oh, that's feels so oh, We there. call those kitty
1: massages. They're cat, so yes, good. Exactly. Cat hair bread. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have to, you know, disinfect their paws because the last thing they stepped in was a litter box. It's litter but- box.
2: Yes. You are right though. Hamilton Beach told me, uh, I was chatting with them last week about some new products and the number one product that they are selling and the product that has had the most increase in sales year over year is Bread Machines. That's interesting.
1: Somebody asked me for a bread machine recommendation a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, I've never used one. I can't oh, help you. Just Amy. Just me, had, Amy.
0: <laughs> but, that's funny.
1: But so so what I did, you know, I, I hadn't kneaded dough for years. And, um, you know, I have a counter that's good for it. But then, of course, it's like you're, you know, you have to have a lot of space and your counter has to be totally clean. And maybe you don't have a counter that's a good surface for kneading dough, whatever. Um and I tried to do it on a couple of big boards that I have, but they slid around everywhere. So then I used that old trick of putting a wet paper towel under it, which just ruined the underside of the wooden board because you can do that with a plastic cutting board. You can't do that with a wooden board because then it, you, you just ruin it. Um, so what I ended up doing was spending not a ton of money. It was like $55 on one of those big, gorgeous, like pastry boards that has a lip at one end that keeps it in place on your counter or on your table or wherever you want to use it and the one that I happen to get is reversible one side is totally blank and then the other side has all these measurements and circles for if you're going to use it for for like pie crust or something and it it's wonderful like I can put it on a table I can put it on the counter I it's big enough to do like you know big pie crusts, but it's perfect for a big loaf of bread or pizza dough. And it's also just beautiful. Um, It's just it's a nice gift for somebody who might be getting into this and who doesn't have the proper tool. And then when you buy them this breadboard, you also want to buy them some mineral oil because you have to take care of these things or they warp. It's not difficult to take care of them. I can even write out some simple instru- instructions on our site. But you want to oil it and you want to make sure that you wash it the right way and you will have this beautiful thing forever. Like I could see passing this down to one of my kids. It's
2: gorgeous. Andrea? Okay, <clears throat> I've got some gift ideas. Um, one, you know, I haven't talked a lot about kid toys. And I was trying to narrow this down since we're, you know, we're not doing a whole huge gift list this year. And the one kid toy I want to talk about, people ask me all the time, what do I get for kids? And you know how much I love STEM toys. You know, I I, I like toys with creative imaginative play, but STEM toys are, are really up there for me. And they've gotten so, um, you know, kind of immersive for kids that that it's really not like learning. And when I say STEM, it's not here's how to code or, you know, it, it's really about teaching kids to think differently, about teaching kids to think out of the box, about teaching kids that there's not just a right way and a wrong way, but it's, you know, you got to try different things. And so my, one of my favorite toys, this holiday season is from a company called osmo i think um amy Mm -hmm. you might have seen them a few times Mm -hmm. it's osmo math wizard and the magical workshop and this works with either an ipad or a fire tablet um they've got a couple of different ones i've been looking at the um i think it's ages six to eight grades one and two and it's math it's addition and subtraction um it's just super easy. It's digital gameplay. It's interactive. It's hands-on. Um, and kids can kind of go about their levels or parents can select the game level based on where their kids are, their abilities. I feel like now with the pandemic and school being what it is, you know, a lot of parents are looking for things to kind of, you know, give their kids a little extra extra curriculum-based um, fun. And so this is definitely a fun, um, learning game. I'm trying to see, I had how much it was. I think it's on Amazon. It's on a special, it's, uh, it's about $59 on Amazon right now. Um, and we'll link to it, but you can go and you can look and you can see all of their other games, um, that you can do. So that's it. Osmo Math Wizard, which I really like. And then the other gift idea I have is for really the whole family. It's the JBL, it's a JBL Bluetooth speaker. It's called the JBL Flip 5 Eco Edition. And I like this because since we're home, you know, you're really, you're kind of like maybe the kids are, you know, in one room or you want to maybe set up something, you know, you're having um, you know, a family dinner and you want some music in the background or you're playing. Um, It's a it's a portable speaker. It's got about 12 hours of playtime on the battery and of course it's rechargeable it's what i like about it is it's called an eco edition because it's made from 90 percent recycled plastic Um, and they're moving towards that whole eco-friendly packaging which any company that's starting to do that i'm all in Um, It's about 90 bucks. I think there's some Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Cyber Week month specials going on. But, um, you know, there's nothing like a dance party. And when we're all out of this (laughs) pandemic, it is time to have a dance party, take it outdoors, you know, take it wherever you're going and um, play your music or even play your podcast or whatever it is you're listening to. Um, So that's, oh, and there's one more really silly, silly thing. Um, But it's fun, you know, the whole electric toothbrush thing going on right now with Philips and Oral-B and they're like $200 for these toothbrushes. And I know what a struggle it is just to get your kids to brush their teeth when you've got little kids. So Wowie, which makes really fun toys, has a toothbrush called Bright Brush and it's a game brush. It's an interactive game brush. You know, you don't have to connect it to an app. You're, you're not, you know, doing that whole thing where it's showing you where you missed. It's just a fun. It's got sensors. It guides your kids to make sure that they're brushing all the teeth. It's got music and sounds and it's all of 20 bucks. So if it's a bust, well, can you spend 20 bucks? But I don't think it'll be a bust because it looks really fun. That sounds awesome.
0: Um, I think we need like things that we know we can all do together. <laughs> it's
3: gonna be a can long all brush winter. Your
0: tooth together. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Everything you anything you can make fun at this point is like yep. a winner. Um, okay, so mine are actually kind of stocking stuffers. One is for kids, although it could be for adults too. Um, I don't know if you guys watched the Queen's Gambit. Oh, I loved it kind of hit everyone by storm. So if you are interested in learning how to play chess, or if you have kids who are interested in learning to play chess and you don't play chess or you feel totally intimidated to teach it, there is a great chess set called No Stress Chess. Um, it looks like a board game, like you know, but it's not. It's No Stress Chess, and it really teaches kids or adults how to move the pieces. I mean, it's not going to teach you how to be a grandmaster, but it's going to teach you how to play chess with, and it demystifies the whole thing. And it makes it incredibly accessible and easy. Um, When my daughters did chess in elementary school, this is what they used to sort of intro the kids initially. Um, And they loved it. And it was easy. And kids could teach each other. Like, it's so simple. It's I don't know, it's like $13 at Target. Um, so it's a great sort of stocking stuffer that wouldn't really fit in the stocking, but it's a little gift. And again, is something that your kids can then do while they are pandemic, um, whatever, lolling around schooling, but also something the whole family can do. You know, it's chess it's is for all ages, um, you know, really like seven and up. Maybe a little younger. But anyway, that is my um, tip if you would like to bring chess into your kid's life or if your kids have expressed an interest and it seems like too crazy of a thing to tackle. My other thing is a total stocking stuffer um, or, I know, under the menorah e like one of those eight nights where it's just a dinky gift. Um, <laughs>
2: Wait, aren't all eight nights dinky gifts? Nights
0: one through seven. <laughs> all um, right, you guys are really selling Hanukkah here. Yeah. <laughs> Hanukkah's one through seven crappy gifts and then one a the good one. Um, but you know you're getting eight, you know, so <laughs> there's, there's that. Um, so Amy knows very well that I do not believe in things that can only be used in the kitchen for one thing. Whereas I um, want all of
1: those things. Yes, all we time. are the
0: opposite. But this is my, one of my few one thing things. And it is a, an OXO Good Grips garlic slicer. Ooh. It's basically a mini mandolin. Um, oh, that you, you, you sent me the link to this when I was... I was making fun of myself for cutting garlic, yes. like
1: like uh, like what's his name on Goodfellas with the razor blade. <laughs> yes.
0: And I was like, you don't need that. Um, <laughs> you literally drop the cloves in, put the little, you know, hand protector thing over them and you just slide it up and down and up and down and up and down and you get perfectly thinly sliced garlic. It also works for ginger, um, which I find mm-hmm. to be a really hard thing to mm-hmm. kind of deal with. Sometimes it's very woody. Yep. Um and I imagine it would work for anything that's really little, probably a shallot. Um, it is awesome. And your hands are totally protected. And it's 10 bucks on Amazon. It's like $9.99. Wow. Um, I love OXO products. Yeah, I do them. too. Yep. Oh, and yeah. it has a really good grip. Like it's not going to slip. You're not going to cut yourself. And it stores, you know, in the drawer really easily because it's so small. So if you don't want to like have like a big old mandolin um, with a whole bunch of different blades and things. that This has been great for me because I don't really use a mandolin for anything else. So I highly, highly recommend it. I think slicing garlic is like one of the things that people really hate. Um, I didn't get it when you first sent it to me. I'm going to get it now. No, get it now. You're going to be so happy. (laughs) Such an Amy thing. (laughs) You're going to like pull out your little garlics. They call it the slicer. I love it. Um, I actually saw it on Rachel Ray of all things like the first time and I was like, what? I was like, they make that? (laughs) So (laughs) I um, highly recommend. Anyway, that is our show for today. You can find links to everything we talked about at our show page, parentingbytes.com. Of course, on facebook.com/parentingbytes, you'll find links to our shows. You can leave us comments, ideas. Let us know how you are celebrating the holidays through the pandemic, or if you're going to do New Year's reflections this year, which I love. Um, until next week, that is it. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share. Happy, Happy parenting. parenting. <laughs> Bye. this is our parenting bites disclaimer. Everything we talk about on the show is our own opinion. Any products we recommend, it's our own personal recommendation for entertainment purposes only. If you buy something through our affiliate links or you just happen to buy or see or read or watch something that we've recommended, it's at your own risk.